This is Agent to Agent Remarks. My name is Jeff Lavelle. I am a real estate broker and property manager with The Brokerage, a real estate firm just outside of Las Vegas in Henderson, Nevada. Agent to Agent Remarks are those comments in the multiple listing system that aren't shared with the general public. They're just those private comments between the real estate agents. And so this series is going to focus on fun stories, not so fun stories, and all those little things that you don't always get to hear about. And it's far from reality TV. It's the real part of real estate. So sit back, relax. Let's talk about some real estate. And thanks for stopping by. Hey, everybody. Jeff Lavelle here, broker of the Brokerage Real Estate Firm, coming to you from agent to agent remarks. It's my podcast that talks about Las Vegas real estate. Get to meet some pretty interesting folks a lot of the time. We have some great interviews on this podcast, but today it's just me, just Jeff Lavelle, here to talk to you about the market. Now, the format of my podcast tends to vary. It depends on my guest and their time schedule. Uh, so, I tend to have more time for this, I think, than uh, the guests who give up their time to come in. But uh, we've been dealing with some pretty interesting market conditions, the market in general uh, during the COVID-19 coronavirus shutdown has gone through some uncertainty. Um, I think as many of us have, we've seen the local governments, state local governments, federal governments stepping in to create new policies, new normals, I think is what I'm hearing things uh, referred to. So uh, really just wanted to start a, a conversation, uh, what your thoughts are on this idea of a new normal, as well as my thoughts about the real estate market and what it generally means in the the greater, the greater, more broad sense. So sit back, welcome to the show, and let's talk about real estate. So if you are familiar with the podcast, I've had some some fun interviews so far. My next interview is going to be a buddy of mine, Rob Morganti. Rob and I have known each other for seven years or so, met uh, by chance at a previous company we both worked for, and we've been friends for the last seven years. And it's been a pretty funny seven years. Rob is a, a <laughs> Rob's a character, and if you know him, you love him. Um, so I'm excited to bring him to you next time. Uh, and then after that, dear friend and confidant, and counsel at that, uh, Dave Sanders of the David B. Sanders Law Firm. Dave is a great attorney who specializes in real estate. And so I'm excited to have him come by and talk to us about real estate-related legal matters. But today, I want to talk to you about the COVID-19 and and generally what it's done so far to impact the real estate market. And here locally, at least in Las Vegas, we've seen a few things. Initially, uh, a lot of knee-jerk reactions, the iBuyers, okay? So those are, um, well, Google the word iBuyer. Got to be careful who I mention. But Google the word iBuyer, and you'll see what we classify the iBuyers as. And those are generally the companies that say that they'll buy your home for cash. And it's no secret that they buy your home at a deep discount based on market market availability, market price. And on top of that, charge a number of fees, they call them convenience fees or you know fill in the blank but those buyers tucked tail in many cases many many cases and ran at the immediate uh, first suggestion that there might be some difficulty in our marketplace and left a lot of buyers and sellers in lurches. Um, because of course, if you called this company or these companies, any one of them and uh, had a deal together with them to buy your home, and in most cases, that would exclude the representation 
of a listing agent, a listing realtor. Um, so you you are unrepresented in a sale with these folks, and then they just tell you, hey, you know what? We've decided we don't want to buy your home anymore. We will um, give you our earnest money, which in most cases was a, a pretty small amount, 3000 or so dollars. Um, we'll give you the earnest money, and we wish you the best of luck. Um, they did that because, of course, they didn't know what demand was going to be. They didn't know if their investments were going to matter um, or how they were going to be impacted by the change in the market. And that's not to say this wouldn't also happen in a traditional transaction of buyers and sellers, but it was even uh, harder because they oftentimes talk about how easy it is to sell with them and take the hassle out of selling your home by working with one of these companies. And it was quite the opposite of that. Many realtors were scrambling to help their clients who were buying a new home or buying a different home um, navigate the issues of having their buyer fall out from the home that they were selling which in many cases represented a large amount of equity, maybe the down payment of the home that they were going to be purchasing. And so it put a ripple effect, a butterfly effect, a domino effect, fill in the effect you'd like to through the real estate market here in Las Vegas, lots and lots of cancellations. So that was uh, obviously a big factor. Also, the higher-end properties, the properties over half a million, um, were impacted by the almost immediate elimination of the NINA loans, the no income, no assets, what we call bank statement loans or stated income loans. So those loans, which are typical drivers for small business owners, people that own their own company, maybe they don't uh, collect a W-2 like uh, many people do, that creative financing that existed in the marketplace and was pretty uh, pretty instrumental in keeping the higher price point market moving, that also disappeared overnight. So mid-transaction, many buyers found themselves in a situation where their lending had fallen out, their protected contingencies, inspection, appraisal, um, financing, etc., had been exhausted. And now they were sitting holding the bag with earnest money at risk with no lender to fund their loan. So the general uh, consensus initially was a bit of uncertainty, a little bit of, I don't want to say panic because I don't think anybody panicked, but just really unsure of where the market was going to go. How do we handle this? We've never, you know, in the 16 years I've been doing this uh, since 2004, we've never run into a situation where there was a mass cancellation of escrows, where there was a government involvement or, or what do you want to say? How do we say it? Where the government basically came in and slapped a closed sign on all the businesses in town. So that was not something that we were prepared for. We couldn't look back and say, well, last time this happened, this is how we handled it. So I think everybody that at least most of the agents I know handled it very well. Very few agents seemed to capitalize on any fear by saying things like sell before the market crashes or anything that I think is irresponsible. Most agents were pretty good about being there as an ear and a, a voice to their clients. And, and that's really what we should be here for is, is a, a sounding board to uh, offer calm and, and encourage people to be practical and pragmatic in their approach to um, buying and selling, especially in times of uncertainty. So uh, I know I answered dozens of phone calls at all hours of the day, which I'm, I'm always happy to do, but um, dozens of phone calls wondering what they should do. Should we sell? Should we take the home off the market? Should we put 
you know, postpone our plans? What, what do you suggest? And my suggestion was to all of my clients based on their specific circumstance, in most cases to wait, to give it some time, give the market, give the economy, give the government a time, a chance to kind of settle down, even out. And let's see where things are going. Obviously, some people didn't have that luxury and they needed to move quickly um, and decisively. And so, you know, my recommendation in those situations was to do just that, but always being there as a voice of kind of the devil's advocate to make sure that they were, in fact, thinking of all of the potential uh, ramifications of their decision. So... Since that uh, initial shutdown, the government here in Las Vegas, uh, in Nevada, generally has begun to open. We are in phase two at the time of recording here. And so phase two has allowed many more businesses to open up. Um, some businesses are still closed, which is is certainly very daunting to those people who make a livelihood in those markets, in those arenas. But generally, real estate, which is what we're here to talk about, has been um, able to work through the entire process. You know, we have been able to um, continue as an essential service to um, function and help our clients, whether they are home buyers, home sellers, or um, uh, generally tenants that are renting from us. I, I do property management as well as sales. And so, you know, this was a, a kind of a weird situation. The governor came down and said, no evictions. First, the, the Nevada Supreme Court put a stay on any eviction proceedings that were happening back in, in on March 19th. Um, and then after that, they uh, the governor came in and made an even more impactful uh, order to postpone any evictions, late fees, et cetera, at this point through June 30th, which is still 30 days away. And so that has been a pretty um, pretty difficult thing for a lot of homeowners to deal with. I understand certainly that there are two sides to this situation. Um, one side is a tenant who needs housing security to shelter in place and to stay at home, and also a homeowner who may have a mortgage they may personally rely on the income from their rental property for their own um, retirement. I have many clients who rely on, I have one in particular who pays her husband's Parkinson's medication through the monies that they receive through rent. So it has it has impacted many different facets of our economy, uh, of our society, and I think it continues to, um, to do so. But there's many aspects I think that we are yet unaware of. And those issues will become more apparent as time moves forward. But for now, uh, tenants are making rent payments, partial payments. Some are not making payments at all. And so as realtors, as property managers, we also have to advise our homeowners of their rights. And currently the right is to really maintain the status quo. We are not allowed to force a tenant to pay rent. We are not allowed to um, remind or otherwise intimidate, which is a very flexible word, a tenant when it comes to past due payments or payments that are due. Um, we are not allowed to really exert any sort of pressure on the tenants to make partial payments. Um, and and the, a, the attorney general's office has been very clear in that. Um, now, the, the fairness question comes up a lot here, which is it fair for a homeowner 
when they know a tenant is collecting unemployment, for example, um, to be forced to take a nothing, to take a zero um, in the in their um, uh, income column. And I saw a pretty interesting um, letter come through from an attorney here in town that articulated a really interesting position naming landlords a essential business that during the entire crisis when businesses were shut down, and I'm quoting to a degree here, while many businesses were shut down, uh, the COVID crisis, landlords provided an essential service to our community in the way that supermarkets and hospitals did. Landlords provided the homes to allow Nevadans to stay at home. However, unlike any other essential services at this time, landlords were not compensated. So it's an interesting thought that, you know, landlords were required to, you know, continue to repair, continue to maintain, continue to uh, meet their obligations to provide a habitable home for the tenants. And the tenants were not required to provide any compensation because of that. So I think what I want to kind of get through in this podcast episode is how the Nevada legislature, and specifically this last session, and how that's spilling over into current um, behavior, how it, it, it seems as though we are treating many of our homeowners and we're we're painting them with a broad brush. I know many people uh, in society, especially today, resent the uh, the blanket representation or, or, or uh, guilt by association um, mentality, right? Well, you're this, so you must be that way. And I think that's very apropos. I don't think that we should be painting um, our our members of society or or groups of people, in this case, landlords, with the same brush. There's many different types of landlords. Um, I, I practice residential property management and sales, so I, I don't know the commercial side of things. But for example, um, most of the owners that I manage for, I manage about 180 properties, they are individuals. I don't manage for corporations. I don't manage for large, um, you know, estates where they have 30 and 40 and 50 homes. I do have some colleagues that manage for those people. And I think when you have that large number of properties, you have a potential to spread your losses out over a larger um, field. And so if five or 10 or even 15 of your properties aren't performing, there's a good chance that you have some income to spread across those non-performing assets to take care of repairs. But for the for the general homeowner, you know, Bob and Nancy Smith that may own a townhome in Las Vegas that they used to live in and then have since moved to Ohio. Uh, I'm not being specific here. There's nobody who I manage for that's done that. But in those situations, you don't often have a, a, a significant safety net. You know, these homeowners may be renting the property out at a break-even proposition or maybe a couple hundred dollars a month in in over um, in profit, if you could say, above and beyond what their mortgage is on the property. Because keep in mind, many of these properties are mortgaged. They are leveraged. And yes, there's an inherent risk to leveraging, but um, you know the the obligations to continue to facilitate a habitable environment when that um, 
burden sharing isn't isn't shared is where the problem lies. So many of these homeowners are one property, maybe two. They may have a mortgage, they may not. But when the income stops coming in, they don't have the ability where they normally would to evict a tenant. And that's where a lot of the problem comes. People say, well, it's leveraged. Um, that's a risk they take. It is true. That is a risk they take. But when they take that risk, they know that there are means for them to legally uh, and through due process evict or remove a tenant from a property that isn't paying their their fair share or uh, maintaining their side of the agreement. So that has been eliminated. The ability to remove a non-paying tenant is gone. And so where normally an, a homeowner would be able to um, maybe experience a month of downtime, these owners are experiencing two and three, potentially four or five months of no income and no means with which to enforce the um, other tenant, the tenant to make that payment. So that's where we're really running into some problems is one month, two months, that's typically something that these homeowners could, with their rainy day fund, cover. They could cover that gap. But for the three and four and five month periods that we are potentially anticipating, um, that's an excessive burden, in my opinion, that the homeowners are are having imposed on them. You know, they are, um, I'm not, a not an attorney, but you know, there, it's a taking of their property for the use of another without compensation. And because they have, the government has stepped in and, and essentially put the, the brakes on any, uh, enforcement of these lease agreements, they are, in my opinion, unjustly enriching the tenants or, you know, the government's coming in and taking their property even temporarily for the benefit of the tenant. Now, the tenants are still accruing past due rents, but with a tenant that may have five or $6,000 in past due rents, who was at best barely making a $1,200 a month payment, how is it fair on either of these parties now to force the repayment of this money? It's the owner certainly is deserving of these five or six months of non-payment, but how do they get out of a tenant that doesn't have the ability to repay it? Now you're talking about costly legal pursuit. You're talking about tenants that are going to be put in positions of small claims court lawsuits, um, collections by third-party collections companies, and generally a, a, a bad mark on their rental history, which had otherwise been good. So I think there's a lot of unintended consequences in this, um, this push by the government. And again, this letter that I, I read from earlier um, goes on to say that landlords should be lauded and not reviled for their service during this crisis. Uh, landlords provide homes to Nevadans who either cannot or do not wish to purchase their own homes. Many people rent during a move to Las Vegas. They want to rent for a year to learn the market, learn the schools, learn what parts of towns they may or may not want to finally settle in with the obligation of a mortgage. And many tenants just choose to, to rent, um, either because it's financially beneficial to them or because they aren't able to uh, financially make the uh, obligation of a mortgage. So I think what my, my 
point is in a lot of this is we may have some bad actors. There may be some bad property managers. There may be some bad owners. There may be some people out there that are not um, treating their tenants fairly. And that's in any good time or bad, right? I mean, part of what the Nevada legislature tried to do in the last legislative session was to very much tie the hands of landlords who were trying to vet tenants' renting history. There was a push to require the acceptance of housing assistance vouchers. There was a push to eliminate the homeowner from being able to weigh a tenant's previous rental history when evaluating those tenants for uh, a lease. And those are common sense, especially the the ability to weigh a tenant's previous eviction history um, against their application. It it only is fair to say that if somebody was um, voluntarily not paying rent, not somebody who who was forced into a bad situation, we have issues of domestic violence, for example, where a tenant may not pay rent uh, and be evicted from a home or may not pay rent and leave a home. You shouldn't be penalized for that. If you're leaving domestic violence, if you're trying to make a better, safer situation for yourself, or your family, I, I certainly support that wholeheartedly. Where we run into problems though is when somebody uh, has a disagreement with a landlord and then uh, maybe games the system in a way or uh, does something to, um, and I've seen it. I've seen tenants who have maliciously um, damaged property because they were being asked to leave. Um, and that is troubling. So these homeowners though are lumped into the naughty group, in my opinion. The homeowners are considered a a group of greedy people. I've heard them referred to as greedy. I, and I, I, ha- I have to say that it's not fair to say that because an owner wants their uh, rent paid on time and, and in full, that they are greedy. They are merely keeping the agreement to provide a habitable home for a tenant in exchange for rent. And there are bad actors, as I was saying before I got distracted, there are bad actors who are um, discriminatory in their housing practices, who are um, uh, not attentive to requests for repairs or maintaining habitability of a home, um, and the list goes on and on. But generally, as a whole, um, property managers specifically are very much kept on their toes by the state, by the Board of Realtors. Um, we have a specific grievance process as a member of the Board of Realtors. We have a specific complaint process as licensed real estate agents through the Nevada Division of Real Estate. So it's it's troubling to me that these homeowners are being penalized by the state legislature in the extension of late fees. So so what the most recent legislative session did was they capped late fees for properties at 5%. Well, if you have a tenant who's renting a property for, I don't know, we'll just say $1,100, and you tell the landlord that the most that they can collect from that tenant is $55, well, that's that's not fair. (laughs) Um, You're telling a a landlord that their mortgage payment, which was due on the 1st and typically late on the 15th, usually uh, incurs an 8% late fee. So you are already impacting a homeowner by 3% every time a tenant pays late and the owner's not able to recoup that. 
So it's something that, uh, that 3%. So it's something that uh, bothered me. And in addition to that, they also extended the uh, opportunity to pay or quit the property. A tenant, for example, rent is due on the 1st, late on the 2nd, and the eviction proceeding starts on the 3rd. So instead of being a five-day notice to pay or quit the property, so either pay or give us keys uh, and leave, now the tenants are given seven days, which the way the calendar works in many cases gives the tenants 10, 12 days in the home, um, which puts us into the middle of the month. And then we have to get a uh, hearing with the judge. And then in some cases, the judges give the tenants additional time in the property to vacate. So a homeowner could lose an entire 30-day period of rent um, just by these small adjustments that can be made. And and it's not, it's not a big deal. And I, I guess I'm not trying to make it sound as though the homeowners are victims because they're not in many cases, but I do think that their rights as property owners are diminished when we unilaterally and unfairly legislate their rights away. It's there's no consultation or limited consultation with the board of realtors who, you know, you may think, oh, realtors represent realtors. Realtors represent home ownership. We represent and defend home ownership. We represent and defend uh, individual uh, independent contractors as a business in Nevada. And we promote and defend home ownership throughout the United States. Um, we are one of the largest lobbying groups in the country for home ownership. Many of the attempts to eliminate the mortgage uh, interest deduction that Congress often takes up, many of the attempts to eliminate that are defended by the National Association of Realtors. And your local realtors pay dues to support those lobbying efforts. So not only do we help you in the individual situations, but we help the country as a whole to maintain those homeownership benefits uh, because we are a large loading, voting block. I think there's over a million Realtor members. And when you have a large, the largest trade organization in the US, the Association of Realtors, uh, advocating on your behalf as a homeowner, I think it's a win for you. At the state level in Nevada, we've also lobbied against a tax against services. Realtors provide a service-based industry. We don't provide a goods. You know, we aren't selling anything uh, that you can, you know, pick up at a store. We provide a service the same way that um, a hairstylist would or an attorney would or um, any any entity that you can think of that provides a service without providing a, a part or a, a product to you. And the state has, uh, Nevada's constitution has a constitutional amendment against a state income tax, but the state legislature has made many attempts over the years to tax the individual, the independent contractor, through a services tax. And the National Association, the Nevada Association of Realtors, uh, and the Greater Las Vegas, which is now the Las Vegas Realtors, we have been instrumental in lobbying the. Um, state legislature and its members to educate them as to why taxing the independent contractor is not uh, an answer to our deficit problem. So not only can you thank us for helping keep your mortgage interest deduction, but you can help us, uh, you can thank the, the realtors for helping keep the Nevada legislature out of your pockets if you provide a service. So I think my, my, 
my focus really today is to explain that the tenant landlord relationship, while often contentious, you know, because it involves the transfer of money. Um, and sometimes I think people have unrealistic expectations of perfection. My opinion of perfection is different than your opinion of perfection. And where a tenant might have an air conditioner, which is the time of the year for this right now, air conditioner goes out and we dispatch services that same day, but that service may not be able to get there for the, till the next morning. That's too long. And that's too long for us. We think that's too long. We would like services to be restored immediately whenever possible, but it's not always possible. It's not always feasible. Um, an air conditioner goes out in the middle of a work day, for example, and a homeowner doesn't or a tenant doesn't realize until 5.30 or 6.30 at night when they get home that the air conditioner is not working. Well, that can be too late in many cases to get services out to repair the air conditioner. So the next day, having it repaired early in the morning, in my opinion, is a win. Um, I, as a homeowner, have had uncomfortable nights where the AC hasn't been working the way it should. And it's an unfortunate part of living in the desert. But um, tenants can become very upset because the, the AC wasn't repaired at one o'clock in the morning. Um, and so my feeling is that in these, uh, you know, this contentious relationship sometimes between landlords, tenants, and homeowners, uh, or property managers, tenants, and homeowners, um, it often has to do with unrealistic expectations of what can be delivered to somebody. Um, you know, I think if tenants understood the person behind the landlord, you know, not just that this is their name because it's on the lease agreement, but um, they understood that this was the person who owned the home and that they too have their own uh, lives and dreams and hopes. I think there would be more understanding between the parties, but so often I think tenants are uh, are quick to judge a landlord and vice versa. Landlords are quick to judge a tenant. And we just have to keep in mind, we don't always know what the other party um, is going through. And as a property manager, I get to see both sides. I get to see the tenants' struggles and I get to see the landlord's hardships. And it puts me in a, a sometimes stressful situation where I'm trying to um, help those parties come to an amicable agreement while still representing my client. My client is the homeowner. I don't represent the tenant. They are not who my fiduciary responsibility is to. But ethically and morally, I do my very, very best to balance that line between providing the tenant with you know, immediate rest restoration of services um, and accommodations where necessary, and also helping my homeowners watch their bottom dollar. Uh, the financial involvement, the emotional involvement of their home uh, being maintained out of state. So um, I think that's it for me today. I wanted to kind of bring this topic to light that um, if you are a tenant, I hope you understand that there is a lot that goes into the maintenance and management of your property, or, or there should be, you know, there are, we're not all created equal uh, as property managers, but as a homeowner too, and I'll tell you, my homeowners have been just amazing, amazing during this uh, COVID crisis. They have been so understanding, um, even when they are experiencing hardship themselves. They've been so understanding of the hardship that their tenants have been experiencing. And so I, I just am so heartened by that to know that that compassion exists. Um, but just in these difficult times, these tumultuous times, um, 
please remember to empathize whenever possible. Sympathize whenever uh, empathy isn't uh, possible for you, but please be patient. Please be kind to each other. Please be uh, compassionate and understanding that we are all dealing with our own challenges. And those challenges aren't always obvious. They're not always um, available to us at first glance. And many people don't share their challenges for for their own reasons. So please be kind to each other. Um, Please do your best to help us keep our society together and to keep that fabric of what makes America great. Um, It's always been great. It's been through some difficult times and it will continue to go through difficult times because that's the nature of the democracy that we live in, uh, the representation, uh, representative republic that we are in. So um, God bless you. Uh, Whether you believe in God, whether you believe in a higher spirit, whether you, you don't, I think blessings are always a good thing. Be kind. Be well, and if you ever need me, I'm available to you at 702-271-6868. This is Jeff Lavelle, the brokerage real estate firm, signing off of agent-to-agent remarks. Have a great day.